everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Brian Williams. Thank you so much for downloading or streaming this episode. My guest this week, I'm happy and proud to say, is Barbara Dunkelman. She's the community manager at Rooster Teeth, a production studio based in Austin, Texas. You may remember Bernie Burns was my first guest on the influencer economy, and he's the founder of the company. So Barbara was hired by Bernie, and she's originally from Canada. So we get a lot of good stories as to how she joined the Rooster Teeth website community back in 2004 as a fan and kept going to meetups and events and finally conferences down in Austin. And she never dreamed that she would work for Rooster Teeth. But in the end, they needed a community person, and they also wanted someone that understood the brand. So over time, she's segued into being on camera for their Rooster Teeth podcast. Uh, she's also co-director, along with Gus Sarola, another Rooster Teeth founder, for RTX, which is one of the largest conferences for gaming and YouTube fans in the world. 30,000 people, which is no small number, came down to Austin, Texas a few weeks back to celebrate Rooster Teeth and the gaming industry in general. Folks like Freddie Wong and Adam Kovic, who've also been on the podcast, did panels and podcasts down in Austin. It's a massive event that's getting bigger and bigger and really isn't marketed beyond the Rooster Teeth community. So it's a really cool story to hear how that started to get going. We also discussed how Rooster Teeth is a giving community back to their fans and they make amazing content, including Ruby, which is a live action anime series where Barbara is the voice of a character called Yang. Additionally, uh, Project Laser is the big project that Rooster Teeth has created recently where they've crowdfunded a movie and raised over $2.4 million. It's a really, really impressive and jaw-dropping thing that Rooster Teeth's doing down in Austin, Texas. So I'll link to everything in this description. Um, overall, uh, I want to thank Barbara again, and make sure you check us out at InfluencerEconomy.com and listen to Bernie Burns, uh, my first guest, who's Barbara's uh, boss, I guess. He's, uh, he's on uh, the first episode on the website, as well as iTunes. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. Uh, please share this with your friends if you think they would be into this content. But regardless, uh, Barbara's a great guest. So without further ado, Barbara Dunkelman. Well, uh, welcome, Barbara, to the show. Hello. Thank you for coming on the Influencer Economy. Thank you for having me on the Influencer Economy. You are my first superhero guest. <laughs> you saw that article today. Yeah, I've never had a superhero on the show. I, I've had some internet celebrities, though. That was a good headline. Well, yeah, apparently I'm both, so. Yeah. Did they run that headline by you? They did not. So when I saw that posted, I was just like, wow, that is one of the most flattering things anybody has ever said to me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, impressive. So so welcome. Uh, I'd love for you to explain like just the content around Rooster Teeth for people that are listening and the Achievement Hunter show as well as the, the podcast that you guys record where you drink beers. Sure. Um, well, the podcast we do is called the Rooster Teeth Podcast. It's our main podcast. Um, now we actually do a, a couple other shows that are podcast style like The Patch, which is gaming focused. But the Rooster Teeth podcast is where we all sit on a bunch of couches and chairs, drink beer, and just talk about life, about pop culture, video games, and everything like that. A lot of personal stories come up during that time, and people really get to know us on a deeper level rather than just through Twitter or you know, some live-action show that we happen to produce or something like that. And then with Achievement Hunter, they do a lot of these shows called Let's Plays, where they just talk over a video game as they play a game. Um, usually they're focused on the content and what's happening, but they also tend to tell a lot of stories about their life as well. And people learn the different personalities of everybody, the way they laugh, what they find funny, what they find stupid. And I think that it's really helped the audience connect with us on that level. 
And then what's this this pun video? <laughs> Actually, I, I so I googled your name because I wanted to read the Daily Dot article again. I I didn't uh, save it, mm-hmm. and the pun video is like fourth search entry for your name. Yeah. So uh, I've always been a very big lover of puns. Me and my two brothers are actually very into the whole pun comedy type of thing. And uh, so ever since I started appearing on the podcast, my puns have been a very prevalent source of comedy for a lot of people. And um, I guess people really enjoy it. And I've started doing it more and more because I know people enjoy it. So there's been a couple compilations people have made of the various puns I've made on the podcast. And I've developed the nickname Barbara Punkelman as well, which is fantastic. That's very punny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we always you say that to my dad because he had the worst puns. Yeah, dads always have the worst puns. <laughs> People tell me that I make a lot of dad jokes, which I guess is a compliment. Like, What are some of the, like, your go-to puns? Um, usually puns are based on conversations or different words that people say in conversation. So it's hard just to like throw them out there. But um, one of my favorite ones I've ever made was you need glasses to do math because it helps with division. Um, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I used to have a fear of hurdles, but I got over it. It's a good one too. These are almost so sophisticated, I don't get them. I know. You have to really think about them I sometimes. I have to like, wrap my brain around it. <laughs> yeah. If it takes a, a second, that means it's it's better. Oh, that means it's good. Yeah. What if people don't get them and they just move on? That happens sometimes, but um, <laughs> the audience is so – they're so used to me making puns that, you know, if they, we put up a podcast and I make a pun that nobody notices, you'll read in the comments, oh, 15 minutes and 32 seconds is pun. No one no one caught it, but I did. Like, LOL. That's hysterical. I I, <laughs> I, I mean, you're, you're originally from Canada, and uh, I actually talked to Bernie about how you got your job, but you were, like, from – the community correct and then you were hired sort of you know based on your interests but also just because you were a fan of the company and yeah so i was actually a, a huge fan of rooster teeth specifically red versus blue right off the bat um i signed up on their site in october of 2004 and i never really had the idea or intention of getting hired with the company just because i was from canada i didn't think it was a possibility and also i didn't really do anything with editing or any sort of productions and at the time, Rooster Teeth was really only kind of looking for that kind of stuff. They weren't looking for people who did communications or marketing or PR or anything like that. So I think just being so involved in the community, understanding the community, but also knowing Rooster Teeth really well was really important for me as a community manager to understand both sides of the business. And I think that's a very unique quality that not a lot of people have. Uh, when you saw Red versus Blue or, you know, Back in 2004, when you signed up, like, what was your first thought when you saw what they were up to in Austin, Texas? Yeah, I, I didn't know much about them when I first signed up. Uh, I really liked Red vs. Blue. I knew it because my older brother and his friends used to watch it all the time. And I saw that they made a community site, and I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'll meet some other people who like the show and talk about it with them. But it obviously turned out to be so much more than that. And then what was your, like, how would, what really compelled you about Red vs. Blue? It was just funny. I mean, that really was all there was to it. At that time, web video wasn't as big as it is now, but I liked the convenience of being able to get my comedy fix by being online, just because at that time, online culture was growing so much, and being able to get the convenience of that was really great. And watching, and did, and did you watch it back when you had to like download the files? Yeah, Before yeah you... we, had to, we had to download the files back then. 
That's crazy. I know, especially now when it's just like at the tip of your fingertips. It's so easy and you can embed content. And what is it like working for Bernie? Like we were talking about earlier before the call about his amazing interview skills and his ability to like energize a discussion that really could not be that interesting. Uh, it's a dream come true. And I know I don't want to sound like a suck up, but growing up, Bernie was definitely one of my role models. Um, it's extremely inspiring to see someone who took such a small idea and it's grown into what Rooster Teeth is today. And to see how he treats everybody and the fans, and he's still humble and grateful of what has become of Rooster Teeth and he hasn't let the, the growth and the fame go to his head. So working for someone like that is, is very humbling for sure. Yeah, at VidCon when he had the mini pop-up in front of these taco trucks, it was he was so humble and it was like he it's like he deserved all of this attention. And I feel like sometimes it's not always something you say with people that they have egos or they're driven by vanity. Um, but he's really like very patient with every person that wanted to meet him. Yeah, and I think uh, that comes from understanding how important our audience is and how important our community is. And he definitely does not forget that. And the, what I like about this article today, actually, is that they, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because the arc they say is like that you didn't have any friends <laughs> and then now you're this like big celebrity. Did, yeah. I, I, that article, like, what did you think about it? Um, it's not that I didn't have any friends. It was just, I it's wasn't. It's so a, funny that they're like, chose that angle. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I think that's like a very typical angle to take, but I mean, it's true. I wasn't a popular kid by any means in high school or, or growing up in middle school or anything like that. But to now be at Rooster Teeth and to have all these people be quote unquote fans of me is a, such a weird concept. It's such a foreign concept to me. It's crazy. I still can't wrap my mind around it. And then do people want your job? A lot of people see me. I'm kind of like a really bad example because I was a fan and I was part of the community and now I'm hired at Rooster Teeth. So I think that gave a lot of people the idea that, oh, you know, if Barbara was hired from the community and being a fan that I could be. Right. So, you know, it's not impossible, but Rooster Teeth can't hire a, a million people. Yeah. So they're in some ways, it's like a, a aspirational thing. Yes, exactly. It's like growing up, I used to want to be a sports center anchor. Right, because you're like get to watch sports all day mm-hmm. and make funny jokes on TV. So I feel like when I was at Machinima, people would we post a photo on Facebook of like an, uh, something silly or stupid, like a Nerf gun fight, <laughs> and people were like, "Oh my god, that's the coolest job ever!" Um, yeah, it's a it's definitely it looks great from the outside and it is great from the inside as well. But it's just it's one of those things where you know, you have to be good at what you do. And Richard Teeth takes note of people who are good at what they do if they need them. Um, But I think it's better to be inspired by what we do at Richard Teeth to go out and look for careers in that similar sense, or maybe to start your own kind of thing that Richard Teeth does. But I think if your only goal is to get a job at Richard Teeth, and that's all you're going to settle for, you might be disappointed. And it's, it's hard to tell people that. Right. So people can start their own thing or get a job in the industry of entertainment or content. Right. Um, but not like put all their eggs in, a, in one basket. Exactly. When I talked to Freddie Wong. He said that people that are fans of his work actually consider him like a friend. Yeah. And so he has to think, do I know this person from high school? You know, are they from growing <laughs> up or do I know them because they know me on the web? Yeah. But yeah, so a lot of series start just with somebody pitching an idea and 
they're very open about that. They know that they have a lot of very talented, creative people working at Rooster Teeth, and they take advantage of that in a great way. And the great thing from that is people will take ownership over their projects, and they will work as late and as long as they have to to get what they need to get done done. Why did it just jump right into uh, RTX, which just finished? Uh, yes, and it did. I heard great things about it. So I wanted to uh, kind of hear from you. I know you helped organize it. or Were you, were you the organizer? Uh, I'm actually one of the co-directors. Me and Gus Sarola actually organized the event together. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was, a, it was a ton of fun. This is the fourth year that we've had an RTX. Uh, the first year was more of a community event where we had about 500 people. Um, and they did things like a screening at the Alamo Draft House and a pool party. And like I've been to every single event. The first year was in 2011. And that event actually was supposed to be a smaller community event, but it turned out to be about 500 people. Uh, and then the second year was the first year in the convention center, and we had about 4,000 people attend that. And so the growth has been ridiculous. Last year was 10,000 people. This year was about 30,000 people. So it's it's definitely growing faster than we ever expected. And it's now become this industry event where, like, you know, the guys from Inside Gaming's, Gaming went and... Uh... Game over Greggy and IGN sent a crew and Freddie Wong. Like, what's that like having people from other studios and networks and channels come down? It's really great because not only do we really like these people and we like to work with them on you know any chance we get, but it, in a way it kind of legitimizes our event because it shows that these people within the industry and kind of who do the same thing that we do want to come and want to be a part of it. So it really helps grow the event not only from an entertainment standpoint, but also just as a legitimate event in the gaming industry. And what were some of the better panels here, like the, the content that you that you came out that you liked the best? Or <laughs> could, could you watch anything? Um, I would definitely be biased. Um, my favorite part of the event was definitely the Ruby panel, just because we got to premiere the first episode of Volume 2. And uh, Ruby is actually a show that I'm involved with. I do a voice for one of the main characters. So that experience for me has always been extremely amazing and just surreal. Um, had a lot of great panels. Uh, Greg Miller did his podcast. Adam Kovic did his Inside Gaming panel. Um, we premiered a whole bunch of new shows and new series that we're going to be starting at Rooster Teeth. And I think everyone who who got to go to that stuff had a really great time. And uh, could you, for the people that haven't seen Ruby, could you explain what it is and the character you play? Sure. Um, so Ruby is a new animated show we started at Rooster Teeth. Actually, we debuted it at RTX in 2013. Uh, it's an anime style animation and there's four main characters which make up the rwby in the ruby title so um there's ruby weiss blake and yang and i play yang which is the blonde girl who a lot of people think is very similar to me in terms of personality and uh yeah she's just very loud and outgoing and bubbly and she's a ton of fun to voice for she canadian I don't think she's Canadian, no. I don't know if Canada exists in the Ruby universe. <laughs> it's not part of that world. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, and then it's doing really well. Like you guys are, I saw having um, like Spawn action figures made. Yeah, uh, McFarlane actually has done the action figures for Ruby, the, the four main girls. Um, there's three already out, and then my character actually is the last to come out, and we're still waiting on that. Hopefully it'll be here by the end of July. How did you guys get connected with him? That's awesome that you are having that. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm actually not quite sure about how that conversation even started. I don't know if they contacted us or we actually reached out to them. But, you know, they were excited to work with us, and we were obviously excited to work with McFarlane because they're a huge name in the figure business. So, Yeah, what was it like when you found out you were going to be a, a Spawn 
character. <laughs> it was a uh, very surreal. Again, I mean, I uh, I never expected to have something like that happen to me, or you know, people have a figure of technically the character I play, but people think of it as me on their desk or on their shelf or something. And that's that's weird. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah, I mean, what do your parents think? I saw Bernie took like a lot of photos with your parents. <laughs> yeah, um, my at, parents at RTX. Been... Yeah, my parents have been nothing but supportive ever since I started at Rooster Teeth. They have been following along with everything I do here. They watch the podcast. They watch all the shows that I'm a part of and even that I'm not a part of. They're actually like big Rooster Teeth fans now because they're actually into the content. So they came up to RTX and got to see firsthand what I do and what we do here. And I think that they were very overwhelmed but in a really great way. And how do you explain something like Rooster Teeth to your parents or – people that aren't in this gaming YouTube world? It's definitely difficult to explain to especially people who don't know about YouTube or just usually what I tell people is I work for a production company that makes videos for the web that focus on gaming and comedy. And usually they're just like, okay, cool. <laughs> they don't really ask too many questions. They don't follow up at all? Not usually. They, uh, I think they're already so confused that they just take that explanation and kind of leave it at that. Yeah, when I used to work at Machinima... I would say, we're like ESPN for video gamers. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they wouldn't ask any more questions. Because you really can't describe it. Like, what, what, how, how do you, what do you say like red versus blue is to people? Uh, that's a little bit difficult to explain, um, especially <laughs> for people who don't know video games too well. This is an amazing job you have. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's definitely complicated to explain. And then how do you how do you uh, like when you see thirty thousand people that come to the conference, and you know you don't you all don't really market this through anything other than word of mouth and videos and social media. So right. what's what's it like when you have an audience like that? Um, it's very overwhelming, but um, I don't know. It's it's extremely flattering. I mean, being at RTX is probably the coolest thing for me because you know you're you're making this content on the web and you're seeing the numbers and you're seeing the viewers in the comments to actually be at RTX and see our fans and our viewers firsthand and just see how passionate and supportive and loving they are to not only us, but to each other as a community and just like the, the pure passion that they have for Rooster Teeth and everything we do is extremely overwhelming. And what, what are some fan encounters you had? Because when I went to VidCon, Bernie had a, and VidCon, for people that don't know, is this uh, YouTube conference in Anaheim. And I don't think it even has 30,000 people, just to right. put it in perspective from what you guys are doing. And uh, Bernie was on a few panels, and he did an impromptu tweet where he popped up and you know wanted to meet fans. And I was at the event in front of these taco trucks with people that lived in Orange County that just came to, to meet him. Mobbed in a way that it was amazing because... People were like very respectful and they, they didn't want selfies, which was really funny because everyone, the most overheard phrase I heard was, can I get a selfie with you? <laughs> I know, it's such a trend now. And But they actually wanted photos like next to him. Yeah. Which I thought was really fascinating. And and uh, for like the community in general, this guy next to me was saying how much he knew the whole history of the Rooster Teeth world and how Gavin had the archives that Bernie needed for the 10-year anniversary and all these great anecdotes. Like, what's it like when people know so much about you or know so much about this company and brand? I think it's really flattering. And I think it's something that's helped Rooster Teeth grow to what it is today. 
We've always kept a very open dialogue with our fans, especially using the podcast or different Achievement Hunter shows, just to show that we're real, we are real people and that we want to maintain this open relationship with these people and we want them to know the real us. We don't want to put on these fake, you know, facades of who we are and this fake personality. And I think our fans really connect with us on a personal level that way. And sometimes it's a little weird that they know everything about us and the names of our brothers and our dogs and our kids and stuff. So it's a, it could be weird at times, but I think it's just a very flattering place to be. And then your, so your job really is community manager in some senses of the term, but you do, you're on camera. Like, is that part of the job that you're on the podcast or is that sort of an add on that happens? Um, The thing about Rooster Teeth, what's really great is, a lot of people get to wear a lot of different hats at this company. So you'll see a lot of people who were hired to do one thing up here on, get to up here on camera, even though that's not what they were hired for. Um, actually really no one here was hired just to be on camera, you know, um, except maybe some Achima Hunter guys and they do all that content like that. But, um, I think what happened was I was hired to be community manager and to do, you know, all of our marketing and stuff like that. But through, history and through time they saw that I was okay on camera or that I was good in, in public so they started putting me in more productions like that and it just it kind of happened naturally exactly and and with the uh, Indiegogo is a great example of that yeah um the Indiegogo I, it still hasn't sunk in what has happened but uh, in case people listening don't know we had an initial goal for a movie laser team on Indiegogo of $650,000 that record was shattered. Uh, we passed that goal in, I think, 11 hours. We hit a million dollars in about 52 hours. And by the end of the campaign, we are at t- over $2.4 million, which is the record for any funded project on Indiegogo, the record for any film funded on Indiegogo. It's, and we had 37, over 37,000 backers of the project. That's so cool. Yeah, it's extremely overwhelming and flattering to have such a rabid community like that. And did and did people even know what the script was or the plot? Not really. We had a video put out where we did like a mini conference call with our backers where we went over a brief synopsis of what the plot is going to be about, but nothing crazy was given away and people are kind of going into it a bit blind, but they, you know, a lot of people have watched Rooster Teeth for years and they know what kind of content we produce and they know that this isn't, you know, we're not going to take this for granted and we're not going to not produce something that they want to watch. And what what do you think is like we talk about the community and just the connection, but like I feel like there's some sort of goodwill people put in the world when they produce all this content, most of it for free. Mm-hmm. Like what where do you see like the fans getting behind this and somewhat blindly backing the project? The very common comment I saw throughout this whole process was people saying, "I've been watching Rooster Teeth for ten or eleven years." They've provided me with countless hours of entertainment and happiness and just I've made friends from their website. I've gone to their events. I've met them in person and they're just great people. And I just want to support them and what they do just because they've given all this all to me in the last couple of years. And I, it's really incredible to have that effect on someone's life. And it's, again, very humbling. And I don't think I'll ever get over that. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had this guest on my podcast. He's a business teacher at Wharton at UPenn, and he wrote a book called Give and Take. 
and he says that you people that give the most in business or in settings like you know with their friends and life they get the most back and they get yep. the most success and he feels like that's really the tenants like it's a new way to think about business and he said takers are obviously people that don't help you because they're looking out for themselves and you want to weed them out and then mo he said most of us are matchers this guy adam grant where that we you get my back i get your back right and you help each other at, at work but i feel like in rooster teeth or a lot of like people like uh freddie wong and rocket jump like there's people that give so much to the community and then it's like amazing to see these projects take light because because right. the community feels some sort sense of loyalty that hey you guys have like got me through a like a depressed day. So of course I'll support you. Yeah. And that's a, a, one of the most common things we see in our communities, people saying stuff like that. And, um, I think Rooster Teeth has always been on the giving end first, not expecting anything in return. And I think that's obvious for a lot of the fans and they, they, they see the genuineness of what we do. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think it's, it's the whole giving concept is, is really interesting for like live events and, conferences because right. like you're saying it's not easy to throw these things and they're obviously really rewarding to the people that host them but it's also like you know a crazy amount of pre-production planning in addition to just doing your normal day job absolutely but i think it's i mean being in the role of community manager it's definitely my job to make sure that our community feels loved and that we are thankful for them so a lot of my job is communication with the audience and reading feedback if you're just watching this content and you feel like you don't attach to the people making it then you're not going to be a lifetime a lifetime fan and i think we've created a lot of lifetime fans by doing that and what do you think in the end like the audience seems to to have you know adopted different types of content and shows like do you feel like in the comments people say like i don't like ruby you know i'm red versus blue only or are generally people into what you guys do across the board? Generally, people are into everything. Um, but as we produce more and more shows and more and more types of shows, I think people tend to split off in terms of what they're fans of. So we have definitely the Ruby group. And we have people who just like Achievement Hunter. And then we have people who are still only watching Red vs. Blue to this day. So it's definitely across the board. But I think the majority of our fans tend to watch everything we make. Uh, great. And then you mentioned this earlier, but... Like I would love to know, like just even in more detail, like the the first time you saw Red versus Blue, or like when your brother showed it to you, or like the community when you were joining the website. Like, what was like your first impression, or why did you get hooked on this? You know, back in '04. Well, I really enjoyed Red versus Blue as a show by itself, but I think what really hooked me on everything was the people in the community, because it started off as this shared love for Red versus Blue. And then that branched off to Rooster Teeth. But we would talk about Red versus Blue, but then you would also make these great friends because these are people who had similar interests to you and they, they like the same type of comedy that you did. So I, I have friends to this day that I made on that community site in October of 2004 that I'm still great friends with. Two friends who actually met on the site, started dating and got married. I was a bridesmaid at their wedding that's, and now they have a baby. So it's, it's stuff like that that just shows the strength of the community that's and, so and cool. the relationships people create. For sure, yeah. And then how did, you know, you mentioned before Bernie, you respect him because he had this one idea that it turned into what Rooster Teeth is today. Mm. Like, what do you think, like doing, he did, they did Red versus Blue so well. Yes. And then it 
you know, like, what do you think about that process of just doing the one thing really well and executing and then growing into something that's this big machine? I think it's a really important lesson to learn for a lot of people, especially filmmakers who don't really have a focus and they try to do a lot of different things and they try to take a lot of ideas what other people are doing and they're not really focused on, on one thing that they want to be good at. And I think that it's it's a better idea to focus on something you love and are passionate about. Like, let's say it's animation. You want to just do that hardcore, become the best you can at that one thing. And you'll be happier in the long run because you're doing what you love and you'll just be the best you can be at that one thing. Is that the advice you would give people that are starting out? I think so, yeah. That's definitely the advice I would give. Okay. Well, that was going to be my final question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer it for you. <laughs> so so good. Good. Two birds with one stone action here. Exactly. Um, well, cool. Well, thank you for joining me. Sure. Thank you for having me. It's good to, you know, Skype with you again. For sure. Yeah. Um, unbeknownst to us. <laughs> yeah, unbeknownst to either of us.